from 10 11 now. That's right in motion. Play fake. Nice. And the 1011 Studios in Lincoln, Nebraska. Trying to save Make sure you get, you gotta be. Oh, oh, it's tipped into the air. Be careful. Ball you game. gotta be careful, man. Ball game. This is the End Report Podcast. Let's call a spade a spade. It's a lost season for Nebraska. Welcome to the End Report Podcast with Dan Corey. I'm Kevin Suits. Dan, this is what we're gonna do today. We're gonna jump right in, feet first into ice cold water. And I have some questions for you. You were in West Lafayette for Nebraska's uh, defeat at Purdue. I'm just going to bounce some ideas off of you, and hopefully you can provide some insight what the climate and environment was like as the Huskers exited the field, what it was like throughout the game, and what are some of the things that you learned from that game. Because here in Lincoln, there's just a lot of head-scratching, and there's a lot of frustration and we thought it was mounting before the trip to West Lafayette, but there existed hope that that was going to be a win, and that didn't happen. So it is amplified now. So what happened? Well, Purdue was two and six coming into this game, so a lot of Nebraska fans thought that this was a winnable game, and that Nebraska could finally put it together against a very bad football team without Rondell Moore. Without Rondell Moore, with its third string quarterback in. And before the game, you get on the field, the players come in, and you're like, okay, Adrian Martinez is starting this game. You could just tell by the way that he walked on the field that they started warming up. You're like, Martinez is the guy. Scott Frost comes on the field. He is loose. He is smiling, having a good time. Uh, You watch warm-ups happen, and Greg Austin is as, as fired up as I've ever seen him. And I'm thinking, okay, that's a pretty good sign. In retrospect, and I'll get to that in a few minutes, maybe it wasn't. Um, But then the game starts. And, you know, the both teams punt on their first possessions. But Nebraska, the first play, J.D. Spielman, 40 yards. And their second drive of the game, they drive right down the field. And uh, they convert a fourth down conversion. Martinez is scrambling out and pointing Noah where to go. And you're like, that looks like Adrian Martinez of old. Then they score the touchdown, Diedrich Mills. Diedrich Mills gets involved. You're thinking, all right, here we go, 7 nothing. Purdue gets the ball back. Darian Daniels, interceptions, and he rumbles and bumbles all the way down to the two-yard line. You're thinking Nebraska's going to go up 14 nothing. This is going to be a blowout. And, and then the Huskers just hit a wall right there, and, and many Nebraska fans are questioning some play calling on, on that. Uh, I will say that that drive kind of shows that Scott Frost really isn't going to change his ways, um, that that's what he did at UCF and at Oregon, those type of plays, and they worked. And a lot of those are run-pass options. They're reads from Adrian Martinez. The shovel pass, Martinez probably could have just sprinted into the end zone uh, or waited for Wandale to come more open and just flip it to him right over the defender's head. But instead, they settle for a field goal. They lose some momentum there, but you think, okay, it's 10 nothing, and, and a lot of people are looking in at that play calling, you know, and, and wondering about that. I'm thinking that they probably should have went for it on fourth down uh, because if you don't get it, then Purdue has it at its own one-yard line. And you're, you're thinking, okay. That the, early in the game, don't you take the points, though? Uh, maybe. But you send, a, you send the message, you go up 14 nothing. you just get it over with. 
And, and does Purdue does Purdue's offense really scare you that they're going to have to march nine? Now they did. They proved later in the game that they could go on those point, long no. drives. That's but a at good that point. point, you're thinking no. So they have the ball on their own one yard line. They have to go 99 yards to score a touchdown. Take your chances. And I don't know what you draw up there, but that is what I looked at the most uh, in that little five minute uh, five minute spot. That After the Darian number- Daniels interception. Right. The play calling when they had first and goal from the two. And it was the shovel pass to Wandale. Yep. Martinez takes a sack. sack. And then I believe the next play was where he dove into the end zone. Yeah, he was close. He was but close. He got knocked Excuse out of Excuse me, dove uh, to, Toward towards the pylon. The pylon. Yeah. yeah. And so then and then they have to They couldn't get two yards game. in three plays. Yeah, and a lot of people are saying, and I get it, I really do, that, well, you got to line up in the eye and you just got to, you know— Run it four times, and whatever it takes, if you get a half a yard each time, that means you're scoring. But that shows that Frost is not willing to just do that. He's going to stick with his ways. He's stubborn. Run the ball guy was screaming at the TV at that point in time. Those three play calls. Yeah, there was it was RPO, um, and they just couldn't get it done. And so, uh, but even then, you're thinking, okay, ten to nothing. The offense looks pretty good at this point, minus getting those two yards to get the score. Um, but then it just, you felt it. Uh, let you me, felt let me it ask you start this. to I start think, to go south. I think I know the answer to this question, but I will ask you anyway. Beyond the X's and O's, at what point in that game did you feel the confidence change, or what point did you feel the vibe around the team change? It couldn't have been that early in the game. No, it wasn't. It it wasn't you. You felt was like it the it Purdue with, score at the end of the second quarter. No, for me personally, I thought it was maybe the missed throws by Martinez. Okay, that you thought, okay, uh, you have a chance to go up seventeen to nothing here, and, and even more, and he misses Noah streaking down the center of the field wide open, and, and then uh, you know the the uh, pass to JD, he's double covered there. The safety came over. The cornerback was right there. Interception. Uh, yeah. It was a wide open receiver yeah, on that play, And it too. would have been 17 nothing. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, let's get into it. You know, Martinez is, is was, the, was the starter. I, I wish in the postgame interview I would have asked Scott how healthy was Noah Bedrill because I feel like that does come in, should come into this conversation because we don't know how healthy Bedrill was. You know, if he's at 60%, and he's just there uh, to make the trip and probably not playing the game, then, yeah, you don't put him in. But if Vedral was 100%, you know, Scott Scott is not going to do that. He's just not going to take Martinez out of the game like that. And it's not like Martinez struggled mightily. He struggled at points. You saw him come alive in the fourth quarter, those two rushing scores, uh, and it looked like he was a man on a mission, Martinez was. But... A lot of missed throws throughout the game on Saturday. And this isn't a new conversation. This is something that's been going on throughout the year, that there have been some fans clamoring to see a little bit more Noah Vedral. But Scott Frost, right or wrong, has pledged his allegiance in Adrian Martinez. And I think that that's what you're talking about, is that he does not want to make that change for the sake of making that change. Perhaps he's worried about damaging the psyche of Adrian Martinez. And he... He says number two is his guy, and he's going to ride the sophomore quarterback, Adrian Martinez, even through the failures. When the vocalization of wanting Noah 
federal to get more action, it continues to grow week by week. So this isn't a new conversation. And federal played pretty well while healthy the previous week against Indiana. Yeah, him and Luke McCaffrey and J.D. Spielman set a school record for <laughs> combined completion percentage in a game, almost 87%. So I, I get what people are saying in that Martinez – and Scott are kind of joined at the hip. It's his guy. It's Martinez was the first recruit that they really went after here at Nebraska when him and Mario Verduzco got the job. That was their guy. But, you know, Vedral might be Frost guy too. Comes from Wahoo, went down to UCF with him, came back home to Nebraska. So I am curious how healthy Vedral was and if he could go. If he, it, It's a lot like that last possession where – Fans are for Nebraska at the end of the game. Well, why isn't Wandale Robinson in the game? And you could see Wandale wanted to come in, and it's because Wandale wanted to come in, but the trainer wouldn't let him. And I'm glad that question was asked in the postgame interview with Scott Frost. And that was such a painful image at the end of that game. Losing to Purdue and facing the realization that they just lost to that team in the fashion in which they did, that's tough to deal with as a fan. I'm not saying we are fans. We're just saying from the fans that we know and the way they observe the game. But then seeing one of the best players on the team just itching to go in, jumping up and down, like you could tell physically he just wanted to sprint into the huddle, but he wasn't allowed to, and it was the trainer's call. So, Dan, let me ask you this. So so far, our discussion has really focused on the X's and O's and some specifics about the game. And I like doing that. This is going to be a question that poses the broader picture. And this is what we probably need to spend a little bit of time here on the In Report podcast because it's more of the conversation that's occurring across the fan base right now. What was the mood? What What did you see? What did you hear as the team after the post game? Locker room situation with Scott Frost as they exited the locker room and got onto the bus to come back to Lincoln. What was that like? Because at that point, a lot of the intricacies of the of the game, they're probably not discussed too deeply. That comes in film study Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, and then into the beginning of next week. So what was it like? That's the that's when realization hits that you're under 500 for the first time. Four and five, two and four in the Big Ten. You just lost to a Purdue team that on their game-winning drive was playing a third-string quarterback. The backup to the backup led a game-winning drive against Nebraska's defense. So what happened? What was it like? Well, so, okay, so right off the field, you go up a ramp, and that's right where Nebraska's locker room was, and it's tiny. It's very tiny. In fact, it's so small that the post-game presser Uh, where they bring Scott Frost and Adrian Martinez to the podium, it was actually outside. Uh, It was right outside the locker room because they simply didn't have any room to have it. But what's the move? And and so I'm getting to that. So so they're walking off the field, and I was kind of surprised with how how not upset they were. Um, It was just kind of casual coming off the field. Adrian Martinez handed his gloves to some fans, as did J.D. Spielman. That's fine. Were they uh, punch drunk? Uh, no, no. Lamar Jackson was frustrated. He just And uh, Scott Frost, I will say, he almost sprinted off of the field. 
I noticed that. Because, yeah, because I was trying to catch him to get some video of him uh, while Eric Shenander just simply walked off the field. Uh, so it's uh, some players came came off the field yelling, others just with their head downs. It's, it's just different for every player. The mood, though, the overall mood, uh, yeah, it, it looked like the mood that you had lost to Purdue again. And some guys on this roster have lost to Purdue a couple, you know, multiple times now. Um, in fact, you know, two, four years ago, 2015, the Riker Fife game, 55-45. And, and that was a day that most Nebraska fans will never forget because it, it felt like that was just the rock. I mean, rock bottom. And it's always like there is another rock or it's just endless. So I don't know. I mean, it felt like, eh, yeah, you know, we lost to Purdue again. Let me we're, ask you we're this. looking forward to the bye week. You were on the field in the same situation the previous week when Nebraska had just lost to Indiana. Was it the same? Was it different? Uh, it's hard to tell. Because um, one was at home, one was on the road, and one was against an opponent looking for bowl eligibility. The other one is just a team simply looking for a win in any kind of good mojo it was just that they so, can build. It was so similar how – you know, and I'm not blaming the I'm not pitting this loss on the Nebraska defense, but it was so similar that that when Nebraska needed a stop late in the game, it just couldn't get it. And, and you let you this Purdue team that is not good with its third or fourth string, right? When Plummer got hurt, uh, a guy that, according to Mitch Sherman from the Athletic, his name wasn't even spelled right on the Purdue website. Oh my. This quarterback that came in and he goes six of six on the final drive. Bryson Hopkins made an incredible catch on third down two to help him out. But it was a pretty nicely placed ball. He was a former walk-on, Aiden O'Connell, the third string quarterback for Purdue. And Dan, this is all leading up to a soundbite I want to play. And that's going to lead into our broader discussion here about where the program's at, what the discussion is as the Huskers hit their second bye week and there's three games left on the schedule. So that, as you mentioned, Frost sprints off the field, the team walks off the field, somber mood, punch drunk, call it what you want, but they've done this before and there's a realization that what just happened actually happened. And then it leads to Scott Frost saying this at the podium. I came back to Nebraska to get this fixed and I'm going to do it. Uh, regardless of what has to happen. And if, if there's anybody that doesn't need to be here to make that happen, and that, that's the way it has to be, uh, I hope every single one of them uh, stays on board and does what we need to do. When I heard that sound bite, I heard it live as we were feeding the video back. I was in the 1011 sports office. My ears perked up. I sat up straight, and I was just like, whoa. One, that's a pretty good sound bite. And that's what we always look for on game days or any other day that we're putting sports cast together. We're looking for good, captivating sound bites. Scott Frost is good at and providing he's, those. He's very good at that. And as I heard it, I not only like perked up, but I then tried to get it ready to go on our social media platforms as soon as I could. And this is why. Because I knew that those words that Scott Frost just spoke, that he came here to came back to Nebraska to get it fixed and I will do it. There was a guarantee in there. I knew that that would be a great conversation point. Not only is it a good soundbite, based on what, has, what the fan base has endured this year and the way that there seems to be a bit of a divide 
and the way that they have personally felt and emotionally felt over the Husker struggles this year, I knew that those words that Scott Frost just said would move the meter, if you know what I'm saying. It did. And it certainly did. Throughout the evening, you had people chiming in on our Facebook page, people talking in their circles about what he said. I had a friend that was driving from point A to point B. He heard the postgame news conference live while he was driving, and when he got to his destination, he texted me. He's like, did you hear that? So, again, we knew it would be a good talking point for the fan base. And the, the study here is that it seemed like for every person that said, he's right, he's going to get it fixed, and I trust and believe in Scott Frost as Nebraska's head coach. There's that crowd, and then there's another crowd that shot it down, rolled their eyes, and words like that ring hollow to them. Yeah. And I'm not saying one crowd is right and one crowd is wrong. I'm just saying that it's an interesting study that in November of year two of Scott Frost, there is a massive divide on Scott Frost, what's happening. And I think some of it goes to some of the things that are said, some of the promises, some of the um, very large quotes that Scott Frost has said. Well, that but, was one of them. But, yeah. but there is, for, for words like that, there is portion of the fan base that really throw their support behind Scott Frost and are 100% on board. But as Bill Shamrock, our good friend, he calls himself the glass half full guy. What'd he say after the game? I don't know. I'm glass half full guy. Well, yeah. But the glass, but the glass is half empty. And I thought that was a pretty interesting critique and look into the psyche of some fans that have tried so hard to be optimistic, but after the loss to Purdue... Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's hard, and I I get that. And why I think him saying that is a good thing is a good thing is that it shows that the the coaching staff is not panicking, and and that Scott is not panicking because that is the the least or that is one thing that you do not want to happen is that they start to uh, get rattled and start changing their ways, and Scott starts changing his ways. He's been saying that for two years, and and that is why the fan base, part of it, is fed up with him saying that. But if you come out and he completely changes his tone on something, uh, I don't know. I, I just feel like everything around the program, you know, we can have articles and we can have these podcasts and things like that, but the coaching staff needs to just keep its cool and not panic. And, and they're not. You, I, I, when I watched that game, I just saw that, you know what? We, it's like Scott says. We know that this has worked. This will work. It has worked. And it's going to work. It ain't working right now. And, Some that's the frustra- and, and that's the frustrating part. Some people question if it's going to work. Sure. I'm not saying that I do. But some and people, that's fine. and I like, think that it's kind I, of warranted. You I know, think, I would look at it and question, like, really, you just lost to Purdue and Indiana? Are you sure it's going to work? Are you I, sure? I have a friend in Illinois that saw the post on social media, and he said, RIP to your mentions today. Because he knew that there was going to be such a big discussion revolving around Nebraska football in that there exists the pro-frost crowd. And then the people that are really starting to drift toward the I'm not so sure. And I just, Dan, I'll go back to this. When Scott Frost was hired, it was a unanimous celebration 
that a native son is coming back, not only a native son, but a head coach that was the hottest name on the market at that time. And he was going off an undefeated season at UCF, a season in which that they went and played an SEC team in a bowl game and won. And the way they there, did there it, the way not, they did it. The, I, don't, I cannot think of a conversation with anybody at that time that disapproved of the hiring of Scott Frost. But here, 21 games in, I don't want to say it's split 50-50 because I don't know that. But I do know that there is a portion of the fan base that aren't sold that this is the long-term answer. Yeah, because nobody thought that whatever, how many games into his career that here at Nebraska that he would just have eight wins. And no this, one would think that. This is a crazy reality. I remember when we were doing our preseason picks, Dan. I picked Nebraska – at uh, at seven and five for this upcoming season for the season we're currently in, I picked Nebraska at seven and five. I got some emails and social media comments where people were very critical of my pick. They thought I was way too low, and at that time, I really felt like Nebraska is about a seven and five team. And I even said that as they went through the non-conference portion of their schedule, I still thought seven and five was about the right gauge. They would have to win out. To reach seven and five. And they have three games left against Wisconsin, Maryland, and Iowa. That's a reach. Especially oh, going yeah. off of the body of work yeah, of, of what they've put out there. That's more than a reach. Yeah, that is not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. I think we can all admit that. So, I mean, if you want to talk big picture here, the Nebraska coaching staff, the Nebraska players, and the fan base all got uh, – Handed a slice of humble pie, and I suggest that everybody takes it. They've had double helpings, triple helpings this yeah, season. Yeah, and they sure have. And and it's like you wonder, like, if the Nebraska players thought, okay, maybe Frost was just going to come in here, and with the year two that he had at UCF, the year two is going to happen here at Nebraska where, where – Maybe it's it's just going to happen. You know, we're just going to show up. We're going to lift weights. We're going to trust the coaching staff. And it doesn't. And now your head is spinning because you you did not think that you would be in this position. Muhammad Barry, you know, he's recruited by one staff. He plays for Riley. And then Frost comes in here. And, you know, we talked with Muhammad. I, he's a great guy. And uh, he's a great leader. Um, and we talked with him this summer at Big Ten Media Days. And, you know, you could really feel that he felt that it was going to change this year, and the problem has— They all felt it. Yeah, it Not hasn't. Not just Mo Berry. It hasn't. So now you question, it's like, okay, are there players that are going to start checking out? Even more so than maybe they already are. Well, there's some video out there that people were slicing up clips from the Purdue game, and uh, let's just say one of the more uh, frequently used words is loafing. And that's difficult. And that's something that's, you know, you would never think a Scott Frost coach team would have that element to it. And I think that's probably one of the most frustrating parts for fans right now. Is, and for is, Frost. Is, well, yeah, of course. He is can't that, go out there and make the guy run I know, hard. Is they remember the way that he played while at Nebraska. And they thought, okay, you know, we might lose some games with Scott as, as a coach, but there's, there's going to be a couple things that we know are going to happen. We're not going to get out physical, and the other team isn't going to want it more. Well, 
there's been plenty of games over the last two seasons that I've seen. The other team has out physical Nebraska and the other team has wanted it more. And that's, that's why parts of the fan base are very upset. Yeah, that's a really good point, Dan. Now, some people have, and I'm going to say, like, emotionally, as we go into the second bye week, you know, even, Dan, as we were getting ready for this podcast, you know, I'm trying to jot down my notes, and I wrote down the words complaint fatigue. You know, I think some people in, in this checkout factor that you speak of that might happen for players – I think the fans maybe are going to do that too. And I think part of it for me, like where I stand on the Nebraska football season and looking at the remainder of the schedule, I kind of have complaint fatigue. It just takes a toll on you when you hear all these critical comments. And I'm not a player. I'm not in all the meetings. I'm not a part of the coaching staff. I'm just a reporter that goes to practice. I'm a reporter that does the interviews and puts together the nightly sportscasts. And I've kind of reached my, my limit on how much I can take because we are nine games into the season, and I feel like we've already used up our entire season's worth of complaints and you know emotional toil and some of the phone calls we got. There was a guy who called the office last week. It was about a two-minute phone call. And <laughs> Dan, I answered the phone, sports, and he's like, Kevin, I want to talk to you about something. Go ahead, shooter. And he goes, Bo, or, uh, Scott Frost better watch the way he's behaving on the sideline because when Bo Pelini did that stuff, it got him fired. And Scott better watch out. It could happen to him too. Okay, click. Like, I, one, I'm not going to engage with that guy. But that speaks to the audience and the fan base of how, like, the frustration builds. And we're not the only ones that hear all these comments and criticisms but at some point, you've just you've heard enough of it. And that's where I'm at. Nine I've heard enough of it. And that's where I'm going to look at the final three games as three football games. Should Nebraska beat Wisconsin? No. Should they beat Maryland? Yes. Should they beat Iowa? No. That means they're not going to go to a bowl game. It's just football, baby. Let's leave all the big picture talk out of it. Let's leave all the criticisms out of it. Just watch some football, support the team, encourage the players. Enough with the online criticisms where you tag the players. That just needs to absolutely stop. People that are keyboard warriors have no idea the amount of time that is put in in the film room, in the weight room, in team meetings, at practice, in the equipment room. I could keep going on. Well, Glenn, it's so easy to just yeah. fire off a thing. Don't tag the kid. These are college student athletes. I get that they get to put on the jersey that you hold in such high regard. But tagging a player and making sure that you, your voice can hopefully penetrate the mind of jersey number whatever it might be on the Nebraska football roster, just don't do it. Tell your neighbor. Tell your dog. Tell the cashier at the grocery store. Don't tell the kid. That's for the coaches to do. Yeah, I mean, the buy, what, what stinks about this, just like after the Minnesota game, is you got two weeks to stew on it now. You got two weeks to sit on it, and, uh, man, then I did not think Nebraska football would be in this spot this year, and that's what's frustrating. But the coaching staff, like I said, 
It cannot panic. It has to hit the road. It has to recruit. It has to continue to bring in more talent. And I know that that's, you know, Nebraska fans are tired of hearing that at that point, but they need to go and find more Wandale Robinsons, guys that will touch the ball however many times you need them to touch the ball and want to come in at the end of the game. And I know, oh, roll your eyes. But there are some players on the Nebraska football team right now that clearly they don't want to be that guy. So you think they there's a huge void in talent? No, I maybe not huge, but there's a void in talent. Yeah, I they need more. It's they need more talent. They need more guys that love football. Um, nope. Okay, I'm going to disagree with you here. Okay, to an extent. I'm gonna, they said it all last okay. year. Just listen to them. Eric Shenander said, we need to bring in guys that love the game. We want guys that are talking football all the time. Garrett Nelson's. Yeah. Yeah. I hear it. Yes, they need to upgrade in talent. But I don't think that they need like a complete swell of new talent to come in. And here's why, Dan. This team that they currently have – is not so bad that they're incapable of winning, talent-wise. From a skill perspective, they held a double-digit lead at Purdue. They held a double-digit lead against Indiana. They held a sizable lead at halftime against Colorado. Yep. That tells me it's not all on the talent. It's not all on the skill. I'm not saying that, Kevin. And I, I'm telling you, this team is capable of winning. If they win those three games, and they are so close it's just razor thin the it margin, is so in scott's for air is scott just so frost has said thin. this that there is a very small ma- small margin of error and if they go down and like you said earlier in the podcast dan if they make that a 21 point game against purdue it's over they win it right? how many they, how many games can you say that for like you said three, the colorado three. game the indiana game the purdue game seven that takes them to seven wins seven they could be seven and two right now we could be talking about a seven and two team with completely different discussion, I don't have complaint fatigue, and the fan base doesn't think that the sky is falling. And I, but, but I'm saying, back to my point, while at, there is a lot of people that say, wait till they get their guys, they need to upgrade at positions, they need to get bigger, they need to get more skilled players, I hear those, but I think that the guys that they have on the roster – They just need to learn how to close a game out. They need to learn how to execute at these pivotal moments. And they need to learn how to win consistently. That's the bigger need. Not the need for upgrading and talent. They need to have a mental and psychological shift. How that happens, I don't know. But it happens by having Wandale Robinson on the field at the end of the game and getting a stop on, on, you know, third down against a four-string quarterback. Now, I think, I, I think there's a big mental... one thing, Kevin. Dan, it's, I think it's, it's a big mental part. Things. And, and, I and do it th- is. I agree with you. This team is capable of being 7-2, and two, and we just outlined why and how. Close the Indiana game out. Come up with a stop. Even when Purdue had the ball with about four minutes left with their third-string quarterback on the field... That defense needs to come up with a takeaway or just a stop. If you get a stop, game over. Kneel out the clock. It's over. So they're right there. They're so close. I think that they're physically capable of doing it, but somehow the mental has held them back from physically performing at their highest level. And that's what a coach 
beyond the recruiting, beyond the X's and O's, that's what makes an outstanding coach. I'm not saying Scott's not an outstanding coach, but I'm saying if you look at some of the greatest coaches, no matter the sport, they maximize their talent and they get these players to play at their highest possible level and they get them to play with a freedom in their mind and that they truly believe they can make the play. John Cook, after Nebraska Volleyball's thrilling five-set win against Penn State on Saturday, he said he told his team that if you dig deep, you can accomplish amazing things. Now that's a leader. That's not about X's and O's. Yeah, that's a I mean, guy it's, just it's... breathing life into his team and just empowering them, loving them, showing confidence and faith in them. And what they do? They dug deep, and they won an incredible Incredible match that this fan base will talk about for years to come. Frost is still learning on the job. He cares so much. He cares more, as he says it, he cares about it more than you, more than me, more than any anybody listening to this, unless Scott Frost does listen to the End Report podcast. And so that is, he's Was still... that a one-star review? <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> That's, that was good. Uh, he, he cares a lot, and getting to some of these kids that maybe don't care as much as him, that could be where one of the disconnects is. Yeah. And, and so he's, he's learning, and uh, it's not Orlando. It's not UCF. You just don't come in and in, in year two do what the things that they did down there in Orlando. You go on the road to Purdue, 2-16, and 16, but you get out schemed on, on third and five on the reverse there. They knew uh, Purdue knew what was going to happen, and David Bell walked in the end zone untouched, game-winning touchdown. Everybody, uh, yeah, everybody just needs to look in the mirror a little bit. And uh, Nebraska football is not fun right now for the coaching staff. It's not fun for the players, and it's certainly not fun to watch. So where do we go from here? We, as in the collective community of Nebraska football, that includes coaches, players, fans, media members. What's next? Bye week is next, but what what are your your lasting words here, Dan, as we wrap up the End Report podcast? Well, I mean, it's tough to say because you say, oh, you go out there and you try as hard as you can. I mean, what an eye roll that probably gets, right? I mean, you're four and five and you're just hoping that, oh, yeah, we'll go, go out and compete against Wisconsin and Iowa and, yeah, don't let them blow you out. But, I mean, is, is that – got to be honest with yourself and – kind of say that's where Nebraska football is right now you don't want to see the team cave in and the problem is is that we've been saying this on repeat now for the last decade you know oh you know don't just don't just keep it close would you keep it close in that those big games because Wisconsin's a big game 13th in the country uh but that's where we're at this year and and uh and hope that we see some flashes. I was pretty disappointed that Ramir Johnson gets in his third game of the season, true freshman running back who has talent, according to the coaching staff. And uh, I didn't even know he was in the game. I was there on the field, and Brett Baker, executive producer, 10-11, went on the trip with me. Great job, Brett, helping me out. But he says, oh, yeah, Ramir Johnson got in the game. I had no idea he was in the game. And you just burn another game for his, for his uh, redshirt potential. I'm going to answer my own question. Don't talk about the bowl game. Don't. It's going to create pressure. If I'm Scott Frost and his coaching staff, you know what I do at a practice this week? 
you rep every trick play you have. Do it consistently. You know what trick plays are at practice? Fun. Yep. You put your first string offense against your third string defense. Fun. Just go have fun. Really, just remove all the pressure. Remove all the stressors. Just, you have to instill the game plan for Wisconsin at some point in time. Do it next week. Just go have fun. And hopefully, by doing that, you can take the minds out of it. Because at the end of the day, these guys are all football players. They were all recruited to play at a Division I Big Ten school. Go have fun. And really insulate yourself. Just don't, don't, don't make – I don't expect we will get any, any interviews this week. I would tell the kids, nope, we're not doing interviews this week. Scott's not even doing an interview. If I was Scott Frost, you want know to do it next Monday? No players talk. I'll talk. Just let, them, just let them go be college kids. Have them come to practice, play the sport that they love, do some team bonding things, have fun at practice. You know, there are so many different ways that you can – you could just create a, a loose, fun environment – without feeling the stress and the rigors of college football. Because you know what? You know what Wisconsin's doing right now? They're preparing for Iowa. You know what they're going to do the next week? They're going to feel a little heat that, you know, let's say they beat Iowa. They're going to feel some heat that they, they've got a chance to close out the division. There's pressure there. Yeah, but I was doing the yeah. same thing. Let, let them. Let them. Forget it. Go have fun. So what, if you, so what if you lose to Wisconsin? People expect you to lose to Wisconsin. So what if you lose to Iowa? People expect you to lose to Iowa. They may, just go have fun. Yeah, they may. Like, Flip the mind. Flip the mind and just have fun and, and try to just somehow find a way to enjoy the final month of the season. I get what you're saying, but this is it's Nebraska football. And and the phrase is almost like But is it have, really? But yeah, you, yes. you have nothing to lose. Like you have nothing to lose, right? That's kind of what you're saying. But what if they go out and they have, you know, they lose fifty-six to nothing against Wisconsin at home? You think it's just going to be like, oh, well, they try to reverse. They're having fun. No, the problem is is that this is Nebraska football, and, like, the fan base is just going to continue to get more and more mad. And I don't, I don't know that they will. And the pressure is just going to continue to – like, they feel that. I don't know that the fans will continue to get mad. I think that there's an element of checkout. Yeah, maybe. So, that's what I'm saying. Like, but, but that's the worst is apathy – for, forget for, like that's what I'm saying. They cannot worry about the fans right now. They just have to worry about the climate and culture inside the walls and just go have fun and don't panic, right? Yeah, just just go play football. So that's what we're gonna we're gonna try to enjoy football. After all, LSU Bama's this week. Hey, the End Report podcast is fun. The End Report, you just raised the roof. Oh yeah. I haven't seen anybody do that since 2006. So congratulations. All right. You've got Penn State, Minnesota this week, Wisconsin, Iowa this week. Nebraska's bye week. I plan on enjoying football. I bet you do too. Yeah. Yeah. And high school volleyball. And high school volleyball. Nebraska basketball starts this week. Both Fred Hoiberg's team and Amy Williams in action plus Nebraska volleyball continue. Hopefully what John Cook hopes is a hot surge coming off the big win over Penn State on Saturday. They're back in action on Wednesday. Dan, how was Monocle's Pizza? Oh, it's great. Where did we stop at again, Brett? It was Tilton, Illinois. I played many youth. Tilden. Tilton. Tilden. Tilton. Tilton. Yeah. What? Half hour east of From Champaign? my hometown? Uh, it's about an, uh, 45 minutes. Yeah. No, it's good. The Golden Nugget. And we got the uh, the family thing. The family pleaser. The pleaser, yeah. Man. Got some salads. I miss Monica. Good. Oh, I'm good. so glad we you ate got it all. Thanks no for not bringing me back.
All right, that's it for the Injury Report podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll be back here next Monday to record another edition as the Huskers get ready for Wisconsin. In the meantime, enjoy some college With Dan Corey, I'm Kevin Suits. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the End Report Podcast from 1011 Now. Subscribe and leave a ratings on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you download your podcast. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch 1011 Now Sports and download the 1011 Now app. This is an alert from your... Stay up to date during severe weather season with push notifications from the 1011 Now Weather App. Download the 1011 Now Weather App for free today.